Hello, and welcome to episode 57 of the Fundraising Bright Spots podcast. If you've not heard us before, this is the podcast for anyone who works in fundraising and who wants ideas and a dose of inspiration to help you enjoy your job and raise more money, especially during the pandemic. And this week, listeners, I was excited to discover that our podcast has now been listened to more than 20,000 times. Uh, So thank you so much to everyone who's been listening and subscribing and to everyone who's been sharing these episodes with your colleagues and on social media. I'm so amazed and delighted we've been able to grow the show so quickly. And clearly, we just couldn't have done it without your help. So thank you. And today, if you'd like to hear an encouraging story of a really small charity battling through and triumphing against considerable odds during the pandemic. I think you're going to find this episode really interesting, not least because the wonderful small organisation in question is an arts charity. Today I'm talking to Hannah Carter, who's the Managing Director of Ensemble Reza, which is a small music charity based in Sussex in the south of England. As Hannah has been a member of our Bright Spot Members Club for the past year while she's been on this journey, I've enjoyed getting to know Hannah a little and I've been really inspired by her energy and her curiosity and her creativity to keep trying new tactics. As you can imagine, since having to cancel all their events in March 2020, Hannah and her team have had to deal with plenty of challenges since the pandemic began. In finding a way through, they've not only doubled the amount of fundraising income they generate compared to the previous year, more importantly, they've transformed the impact that they make. So here's the conversation with Hannah I hope you enjoy hearing her story as much as I did. Hannah Carter, how are you? I'm very well, Rob. How are you? Yes, really well. Thank you. At the end of a long week. And thank you so much at the end of this long week for for making time to chat to me for the podcast. Uh, In a moment, I'd love to get into some of the uh, results and some of the, crucially, some of the tactics you've used. But just before we get into that, I need to just set the context and get the name of your Charity, correct. So you're the managing director of Ensemble Reza. Would you like to say really top line a little bit about your charity? Yes. So um, Ensemble Reza, we're a professional string sextet. So that's six string players. Um, And we're based in Miss Sussex. And we've been running for about eight years. Um, And the key things that we do really are concerts, all kinds of concerts, family concerts, free lunchtime concerts. Um, evening concerts, um, school concerts, um, and then a lot of education work, um, uh, projects from primary up to sixth form, special needs, um, and then a lot of community work. We really love our local community, so um, we've been um, running um, all types of different kinds of community projects, but most notably our community orchestra, which is, well, pre-COVID, of course, this <laughs> is all life before covid um, was we had over 120 players of all ages and all abilities, which was um, a very special thing. And um, one day we might be able to get them all back together again. And uh, the reason I wanted to set up this conversation is because, uh, goodness knows, it's been hard for lots of charities, but I'm especially conscious of how hard things have been for arts charities and for many smaller charities. And your charity is is both of those things. Um and my goodness, you must have been, um, you know, I, I, I can't imagine what it was was like having run your organisation and, and then COVID hitting and, and what was going through your mind at that point. It can't have been easy. And yet the reason I wanted to have this conversation is very hard work, though it's been. 
you've somehow you and your, your colleagues have, have managed to to find a way to not only survive but also make fundraising work so top line could you talk me through yeah you know, what was going through your mind in march and then and then cut to the end or the current point in the story where you've actually done really well yeah okay well you're absolutely right i mean i i it's really difficult to think that actually this is this time last year really isn't it a year ago now this time last year i we had um we were growing our programs we had lots of stuff to look forward to and by mid-march i was cancelling absolutely everything and um really with a very heavy heart um and it was a really really quite a dark moment of actually knowing that we were a small arts charity and that there was no way that we could be running anything live. Um, we didn't have a YouTube channel. I, I had no idea how I was going to be able to reach our audience. And um, yeah, it was a really difficult time. And yet yeah, we've we've made it work. Do you know, Rob, in the last year, um, I, I would say this has been a transformational year, actually. It's just been a completely transformational year for us. Um, we've reached new audience. Um, I'll tell you about that in a minute, but we've reached new audiences um, all over the world and our donations have doubled. Um, um, we've not yet even done an urgent appeal or a direct financial ask. Um, we've just made it work. And um, it's, yeah, it's been a, an amazing musical journey. So compared to the income you were able to generate in the calendar year before COVID, in this last 11 12 months you've raised twice as much as that previous year twice as much yeah we knew in march that it was a sink or swim moment for us and um i had well with a fantastic team of musicians that are ensemble reza and trustees and volunteers we'd worked really hard for eight years to really build ourselves up in our local community and the idea suddenly of that all going to to pot just wasn't I just wasn't going to let it happen and um so the first thing was well how are we going to get everything out there again so um I had a long chat with my 17 year old son who um quickly showed me the, the the wonders of YouTube and I quickly set up a YouTube channel which in fact was something that we've been talking about doing for a really long time and we hadn't got around to doing so we quickly set up a YouTube channel um and I just I I knew that a lot of our audience were um, elderly people, a lot of our um, audience would be isolated and on their own. And 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 for me, it was more about making sure that we could reach them and that we could stay in touch with them. And so rather than running things that we used to do, sort of um, lunchtime concerts we used to run free every month, I felt that actually we needed to be doing these things weekly, that people needed to have one thing in their diary. They knew that they could it could be their thing to look forward to. Um, and so um, with a little bit of um, seed funding from one of our um, previous trustees, we set up a series called Midday Music. Um, and I scraped together enough funding to be able to run 12 sessions over 12 weeks. Um, and I just thought, let's just see how this goes. You know, I hadn't got any more funding for anything else virtual, but we knew that we could run this. Um, and it, it was incredible. Within 12 weeks, we had... Um, a, a new audience that suddenly came from, like I said, you know, nationally and internationally. I have, um, and and in fact, the beauty of YouTube actually is that um, we could record these concerts from our musicians' homes, so we didn't actually have to worry about venues or 
um, anything like that. It just, we could do it really basically. And actually a year on looking at the setup that we started with, it was very basic. <laughs> it was really, actually some of those concerts, the quality is really poor, but our audience didn't seem to mind. They were just like, well, you're there, you're doing this. It's fantastic. And with YouTube, you can also create a chat option. So we could chat to people as the concerts were going on. And um, I created with um, a bit of help from my son, a little video on how people could actually um, log on to be able to do the chat because some of our audience found tech quite difficult. So we wanted at the time to always try and make things as accessible to people as possible. So, but, but the chat was actually, I think it's important almost as the music because it's like standing in a foyer, welcoming an audience as they come through the doors. And it was all those little things, you know, morning Brenda or morning Jack or how is it in Scotland? You know, it was it's the little chat that is really important that makes it feel personal to people. And um, and so, yeah, the series continued. And by the end of the 12 weeks, we had actually managed to secure some Arts Council funding to then be able to develop our programs, our virtual programs, even more. So all pretty much new ideas began to develop. We had... Um, managed to create a music club, a bit like a book club, which was um, online, we've, which we've been running fortnightly. Um, we're a virtual community orchestra, which um, we've developed even more now. But to begin with, was just an awful lot of backing tracks and um, um, sort of um, music videos to just be able to inspire people to keep getting their instruments out. Um, the idea of trying to do a Zoom orchestra at that point last June so it felt like it was just never going to happen. Um, um, and, um, and we did a lot of videos for schools, a lot of schools films, um, just, just trying to keep a way to, to be able to reach what we had was a really, really um, um, a, a wide audience of um, different ages. And we wanted to be able to make sure that we could still reach our diverse audience that we'd had before our series started. We just wanted to make sure that we could carry on with that connection. Um, I mean, I think the the building the relationships, like I said at the beginning, wasn't wasn't. I don't think the, the fundraising was the making generating income was really the main motivation. It was actually the fact that we just knew that a lot of our audience would be really isolated, and with the work that we do running concerts and running education community programs, if we lose our audience, then we've lost our future as well. So it was really important that we found that we found a way, not only to keep them, but potentially to grow them so that when we could get back to being a kind of in the new normal, as we kept calling it last year, which I've got a bit sick of now, but, you know, that we would still have audience. I didn't want to kind of feel that we had um, regressed by five years after all that hard work that we had done. So it was very much about maintaining the audience, but growing the audience as well. And that's what we really managed to do. And goodness, it must have made such a difference to the musicians you work with to be having this chance to to share what they do uh you, could you give me a sense of the, the kinds of, of musicians you were working with yeah rob i mean yeah, i think you're absolutely right i mean we've um ensemble reza is a core of six musicians um and in fact we've been able to provide them with the opportunity for not only taking part in our concerts but um we've created education and community work for them to do during the year but we've we've had some fantastic musicians involved in our series. We've we kind of all looked through our diary, uh, our little um, address books of all our musician friends that we had to get involved. Um, last week I had two musicians from the English National Opera take part in the series. 
um, and they've hardly done any performing all year. Um, and it's just, it's really dreadful actually that, um, you know, so many fantastic musicians who've, who've trained, their whole lives have been about um, performing and being on stage are suddenly not doing any performing at all. So to be able to give people, even though it's a small platform, but an opportunity to perform to our virtual audience, um, has been really valuable and you know, every week I'm getting comments from people just saying thank you so much you know so um, it it has been a really for us as a small charity it's just felt really um, fantastic that we've been able to provide that opportunity for our, for our musicians mm. um, and and for our audience for our, our audience have really enjoyed the fact that there's been so much variety and I think that that's been another reason um, that's helped our audience to continually grow because each week, no one quite knows. Sometimes even I don't quite know who's going to be on stage. So um, it's, yeah, it's um, been a journey for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I love the, the fact that, that, you know, it's a whole family together and it's been in everyone's interests to, to be more entrepreneurial, trying these different things. Hi, it's Rob. And I wanted to jump into the middle of this episode really quickly to tell you about something I'm so excited about which is the way that our Bright Spot Members Club has been helping fundraisers to not only survive, but also to do really well, to raise funds so effectively during the pandemic. Through the club, our 300 members get access to a whole library of my best training films, as well as regular live coaching sessions to help you handle whatever challenges are coming at you each week. And we've also found that handling these challenges has not just been about getting the right advice or strategy, it's also been about morale, and we've found that the encouragement and help that our members get from each other has really helped them to stay positive. If you're not yet a member, but you'd like to find out more, go to brightspotmembersclub.co.uk forward slash join. That's brightspotmembersclub.co.uk forward slash join. I would love to welcome you to the club and do my utmost to help you succeed in your fundraising. For now though, back to the interview as Hannah and I go on to talk about how they grew their YouTube audience from scratch. I was going to ask Hannah, you're, a year ago you had no YouTube channel. Uh, what is the size of your YouTube? How many people are subscribing now? And for the listener who, who's interested in, in this particular tactic, are there a couple of lessons you've learned along the way about ways to grow in the way that you have done, you know, in addition to what you've just said about, uh, you know, keeping a, a, a high quality and a variety of content. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's been, wow, a massive steep learning curve for me this year. I feel very proud to say that I'm a YouTuber now. I think my kids think that's really cool. Um, <laughs> but in a year, we've now got over a thousand subscribers. Um, and I looked this morning, we've had over 45,000 views to our channel. So I think... Um, it's been um, quite a learning curve. And, you know, actually, you then get a little bit addicted to it. You know, can you get more subscribers? How can you do it? You know, what, what, what new trick can we, we create? Um, I mean, to begin with, actually, the reason to reach a thousand subscribers was really important because we were really struggling with the tech. And we understood that, actually, if we could film our concerts on our phones or using an iPad, the quality would be better than it would be if we were just doing it on a laptop. And and so that was our real our kind of keen. Gosh, we've got to get to a thousand subscribers. And so that was the message that we were sending out to everybody. You know, you've got to help us reach a thousand subscribers because we need we need to be able to change the way we're recording our concerts. 
Um, and after about the second concert, we actually thought we can't carry on doing it the way we're doing it it's so bad. So we actually went and did a bit of research and realized that you can use um, a kind of um, online broadcasting software and different cameras. And in fact, we've, we've got it all sus now. And, and we didn't need our thousand subscribers, but we didn't tell our audience that. So we just kept saying, you need to help us get to a thousand subscribers. We really need your help. Um, and so it was, I think it kind of, um, you, you get to a little point, we sort of plateaued about 450 and then thought, oh gosh, we're nearly at 500. So you do yet another social media campaign, get us to 500, um, then get us to 750. And then, yeah, once you get to 900, that, that suddenly there was excitement, you know, and I think we were at about 900, 950 just before Christmas. And I said to my team, come on, we've got to be able to get to a thousand by Christmas, um, which Sadly, didn't happen. But, but in fact, it was really the, the whole journey of reaching a thousand subscribers became um, became part of a concert. Actually, we had these fantastic musicians in from the London Phil. Again, it was their first concert in a year, so it was a really special moment for them. They had lots of their um, London Phil audience watching, um, and um, we could see the number of subscribers ticking up close to a thousand. And midway through that concert, we reached a thousand subscribers, which was a really special moment. So in the chat, everyone was going, wow. Um, and of course, the musicians had no idea this was going on at all. But um, but it seemed a really special moment. But social media is key, is absolutely key. And um, in the last sort of um, probably just the last two months, actually, I've now got someone um, regularly helping me with the social media that has made all the difference. Um, and now, in fact, this this next week, we're going to try and um, stream live not only on YouTube, but also on Facebook simultaneously, which will be um, uh, very interesting. <laughs> but um, but it's again, it's just trying to reach um, different audience groups. And we, we have a good Facebook page, so we know that they're as soon as the concert goes live, there will be reaching more people. Um, and, you know, again, it's just trying to get people to come back and visit the, the YouTube channel. Um, and I think it helps that we've got a lot of content on our YouTube channel. And I think that really helps to bring in subscribers as well. Um, so we went through the archive. We've got lots of archive and put up some concerts that we've done um, in previous um, festivals um, and made a big thing about those so that people would come and have a look. Um, I do a regular newsletter, so I constantly um, putting stuff from the YouTube channel in the newsletter. Um, it's all virtual, so people would then, you know, go to the YouTube channel and have a look. Um, and, I, you know, I'm surprised considering the demographic, you, well, the pre, pre-COVID, the demographic of my audience was um, as um, was really predominantly more retired than than, you know, I'd like it to be a really widespread but it to be honest it really was more retired but considering that we've um a lot of retired people do still use their computers amazing <laughs> um, and of course and um um we've you know we've had fantastic um a fantastic response so i think um yeah it's it has grown and grown and, and continues continues to grow and it and that is really exciting actually um so yeah I've got um, a couple of questions, if I may, Hannah. One is, may I ask how often you send out that uh, newsletter? And secondly, I get a strong sense that you're not out there making lots, lots of financial asks. You're out there producing great work that meets the needs of your audience, your supporters, your your donors. Um how how can people donate? You know, you've you've grown income, but 
Uh, how has that worked? Yeah, so so our newsletter, actually, a simple, question, a simple answer to that question is, in fact, it became a weekly thing and continues to be a weekly thing. Um, and um, I guess it's become a bit like a blog, actually. Um, I really quite enjoy just sitting there um, and... And, and sort of thinking at the end of each week, gosh, where have we got to this week? And, and with the changing rules in um, COVID rules that seem to be changing all the time, it has a massive impact on arts organisations, actually, of course, well, everybody. But, you know, it's really, um, yeah, sometimes I feel it's quite nice just to be able to sit and say to people, look, this week, you know, we thought we were going to be able to come back and do a live concert with you um, with an audience, but sadly we can't. So, um you know, it's. I think it's just really important to have that weekly newsletter going out at the moment, staying in touch with people. So, um, and in answer to your second question about donating, I mean, it, it's. Um, I I think it's always been um, part of our kind of um, lunchtime concert ethos was always to not charge people. It was sort to always make our lunchtime concerts free, and that's how we wanted to run our midday music series. But um, we've always said to people, if you've enjoyed the concert, then um, please will you consider supporting our musicians? And so there's that option to donate. Um, and it's as simple as a donate button that we've got on our YouTube channel that we've put I put the link, I paste the link everywhere so that people can um, go through to our website. Um, and it, it's just constantly, you know, saying to people, with your support, we've been able to deliver X, Y, and Z. And please, if you would like to see our programs continue, please consider donating to our series. It's as simple as that, really. Um, and 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 actually, you know, I analyze each week, you know, um, some concerts um, create more donations than others, but it, it always sort of balances out each month. And it, it at the moment, seems um, I'm, I'm happy with the way that works. Mm. Yes. And in terms of um, not so much the, the putting on of the music, but in terms of the relationship building, um, were you and your team doing particular things in other ways to reach out, especially during those first lockdowns in 2020 to build relationships or just reach out to, to people who had always been your supporters? Yeah, I think um, the communication and the, the reaching out people has been has been really, really um, important. And I think it's, it's about creating that dialogue between us and our audience has been really important. Um, every time I get a donation, um, there's a thank you letter that goes out, and it's and it's a personalised thank you. And I think that thank yous are so important. Um, it doesn't matter how small the donation is or how big the donation is. It, everyone receives the same type of thank you letter, you know. And um, I um, and sometimes um, um, yeah, sometimes it might even be just depending on how creative we are and where and how much time we've got. It might even be a thank you from the musicians as well with a little bit of music. So it's just that that is very important. Um, I and mean, I just think, like I said, creating a dialogue and staying in touch with people has been really important. And um, there have been moments when I've thought we've not seen someone who would normally be coming to our series. They're um, usually a, a, a regular sort of member of our friends group. So we kind of know these people, but they're not there. And if they've not replied to emails, we actually have called a few people just to check up that they're okay. And I think that... Um, because we're so rooted in our community, I think I feel almost like um, that that is a very appropriate thing that we should be doing is just to check on people and look out after people. Um, so that's that's been quite that has been a really important thing. 
Um, and I, I, I just feel that the, the thanking is one of the most important things that we can do at the moment. And, and really, without the support from our local community, we wouldn't be where we are now. Um, it, it, by having the, the lovely feedback that we've had from people, I've been able to say to them, look, if you're happy for me to use this feedback, can I then use it to promote the concert? You know, can we use it in our publicity, in our social media campaigns, in our marketing but also in our fundraising campaigns to trust and foundations, it's through it's through the feedback, the, the, the feedback even, and through the stories that we've got from people, that has meant that we've been able to lever funds from, you know, people like the Postcode Lottery through, um, through the Arts Council, through our local community foundation, through all of those other key funders. Um, whereas I think we wouldn't have been noticed before. It's those stories that have really made made the difference, you know. And I and I know Rob, but I think it was um, I joined the Bright Spot Members Club um, probably back in March last year, thinking, "Gosh, I've got to join everything. I'll do every course there is in fundraising. Any group that's you know I can join, I'll do it because I need all the help and support I can get." And I was listening to one of your podcasts on a on a dog walk and. And it was just about thanking people. It was about picking up the phone and talking to people. It wasn't about asking for money. And I've I've held that idea with me for the whole year. And I think that that's actually what's made all the difference. Um, it's made me really measured. It's made me think that we don't we're not in a position where we need to be doing a direct ask at the moment. And I think until we do, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to say continually to people. Thank you. And if you, you know, if you really want to support us, then this is how you can do it. Hannah, I'd just like to send huge congratulations to you and, and everybody in the whole team and, and on the board involved in making this happen. Seems to me that when things get more normal again, you absolutely will have achieved that ambition of not just surviving this very difficult year, but very definitely growing and being stronger and, and having a a more vibrant and, and larger audience than you did a year ago. And my goodness, that is not easy in the year we've all had. So many congratulations to you and everybody for all your hard work and all your courage and your risk taking. Uh, thank you ever so much for coming along to share the stories. I, I hope that it'll help some of our listeners to, to hang in there, if nothing else, and be creative and take a few risks inspired by some of the examples you've given. I look forward to catching up again soon, Hannah. But for now, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you so much, Rob, and thank you so much for this fantastic opportunity to talk. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed hearing how Hannah and her team have adapted their approach this year. If you found it helpful, please remember to subscribe to the podcast today so that you never miss an episode. For a full transcript and a summary of this episode, go to the podcast section of our website, which is brightspotfundraising.co. UK. As Hannah mentioned, she's been a member of our Bright Spot Members Club since the start of the pandemic, and so throughout the year she's had access to our live weekly problem-solving sessions and masterclasses, and all my best learning bundles and our supportive community. If you'd like to find out more about our training and inspiration club for fundraisers, or to dip your toe in and try for just a month, go to brightspotmembersclub.co.uk forward slash join. Before I go, I'd like to say a huge thank you to everyone who's left us a kind review on iTunes or on Spotify, and to everyone who's been spreading the word about this show to colleagues and on social media, helping us to reach this milestone of 20,000 listens so far. And Hannah and I would love to hear what you think about this episode, so if you'd like to share it or get in touch, we're both on LinkedIn, 
And on Twitter, I am at Woods underscore Rob. Finally, thank you for listening today. Best of luck with your fundraising. And I look forward to sharing more bright spot examples and ideas with you soon. Bye.